so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. You're listening to the ERLC Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the ERLC Podcast, where each week we'll be talking about our work at the ERLC and focusing on what Christians should know about the things going on in the world. I'm Lindsay Nicolay, and this week actually is a special one because we celebrated the official installation of Brent Leatherwood as the ERLC's ninth president. It was a sweet night on Monday, recalling God's faithfulness to Brent's family and to the ERLC and the larger SBC, especially remembering the journey that it took to get there. Some of the highlights for me of the night were hearing from the Leatherwood family's pastor and seeing them prayed over just the picture of Brent next to his wife, Meredith, his three kids, and then his pastor invited his extended family to come up and gather around him. And we all prayed over them. It was a sweet time, and it was encouraging to see how the Leatherwoods are so plugged into their church and how they have a genuine shepherd overseeing them as they serve and grow in the Lord at their church. Also, I loved laughing at the gag gift given to Brent by the first VP of the SBC, who has a very long last name that I probably would butcher, so that's why I'm just giving you his title. So the gag gift was a WWE wrestling belt, so you will have to ask Brent about it sometime. It was hilarious. I loved seeing past ERLC colleagues. It was a reunion. And then finally, for me, maybe one of the greatest highlights of the night was meeting Brent's mom, who is a major fan of the podcast, of course, and enjoys the camaraderie that Brent and I get to have on here. And so I just loved, loved hearing from her. I told her I would be sure to give her a shout out. So here it is. And maybe I somehow can convince her to give me good stories to share about Brent in the future. So for this episode, we're going to hear from Brent himself as he addresses those in attendance at his installation at Brentwood Baptist. And again, that was on Monday night. I believe it's an important message about the future of the ERLC for the good of our churches and the glory of God. Let's listen now. Grateful hearts. This is something we try to teach our children each and every day in the Leatherwood home. We do this because we want to instill in them an appreciation for all that is around us, all that we get to experience, and all that we have, for nothing is promised to us. The great thinker, Yuval Levin, believes gratitude is the very essence of conservatism. And I like the sound of that. But I would also say there's, there's something more foundational for us as Christians. Gratitude should be at the very heart of our response 
to the gospel and the ways it is working and transforming our lives. And so, as the father of three children who are 10 and under and who sees every moment as a teaching opportunity, let me begin with a word of gratitude. Gratitude to our Lord for arranging this moment to come about. Gratitude to you, beloved family members, cherished friends, talented current and former colleagues, and valuable partners from across this convention for making the time to be here. I pray that my brief remarks to come will be worthy of the time that you've made to join us. And lastly, I'm, I'm grateful to my wife, Meredith, and the three aforementioned children, Anna Lee, Presley Grace, and Rhett. The Lord has been so abundantly kind and gracious to our family. I could say with confidence that I would not be in this place without your love and without your support in my life. In my mind, it is fitting that we would gather in this fine space today for a number of reasons. First and most personal is something that happened 11 years ago this month in this very spot. Shortly after the doors opened publicly to this chapel, a groom said to his bride, I will love you my whole life, you and no other. And I remember that so vividly because I was that groom reciting those words to my wife right here. Other gatherings also occur in this room that mark special moments in the journey of a believer. For example, each Sunday, a special congregation of our Chinese brother and brothers and sisters gathers here for worship, welcoming new members into the faith through baptism. And from time to time, funerals and celebrations of life are held here as the pastoral team performs one of their most solemn duties as a shepherd for our congregations in the Brentwood Baptist family. And so this is a place of new beginnings in some moments and final chapters in others. And so it is with the dual roles of this room where I'd like to begin my comments for this evening. One parallel is rather apparent for all to see. For this commission, the ERLC, stands at the beginning of a new era with tonight's program. Just as so many new stories and new adventures have been launched from here, so it is with this agency. We will build and reconstitute this team to meet the demands of the times we find ourselves in, fulfill the assignment given to us by our churches, initiated over a century ago, and do all we can to bring honor and glory to the name and saving grace of Jesus Christ by telling a very dark public square about the light of life that we read about in John chapter 8. Yet we must acknowledge the broader context we are operating with. 
one that, if not navigated wisely, could mean this gathering marks a conclusion of sorts for a chapter in our wider Baptist family of churches. Right now, an ideology of extreme individualism coupled with a wave of loneliness and despair is coursing through our society. We see this in the breakdown of institutional life, the atomization of culture around us, the fact that meaningful relationships are no longer being tested, but they're not even being formed. Community life is eroding. Neighborliness is fading. In Baptist life, cooperation is being strained. Each day seems to bring new events, new legal challenges, and moments that seem to be conspiring against us. While some of this may be a natural refining, in many instances, something far more devious is occurring. Figures and voices have emerged that are seeking to gain attention, followers, and influence. They would do this even at the expense of the cooperation on the essentials that has long been a hallmark of our churches. So, a dark public square, a distressed convention, and division— all around us. But as a Christ follower, I'm never without hope. And as a Tennessean, which if you've known me for more than two minutes, you know I'm a proud Tennessean, I always believe that something can be done. You see, this state has produced a long line of heroes who sought to develop solutions, work with anyone of goodwill, and build bridges. Whether it was former Senator Howard Baker who rejected the notion that our adversaries on any given question must be our enemies, a direct echo of Lincoln's reminder that we are not enemies, but friends. To Bob Corker, who became the leading voice in Washington against human trafficking and unjust systems when no one else wanted to. To Lamar Alexander, who became governor at a unique moment of constitutional peril in this state. All these figures and others in Tennessee's history often sought to overcome gaps and achieve consensus between people, all while adhering firmly to their own conservative convictions. While I am a far cry from any of these noble statesmen, their body of work has had a profound effect on my vision of leadership, a vision that contends for cooperation, that strives for unity. In fact, Senator Alexander would often quote a friend of his from West Tennessee, author Alex Haley, who said, find the good and praise it. Well, my Baptist mind translates that like this. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. 
So allow me to do that briefly here. Well, our convention is certainly being tested right now, both from within and out. My discussions with pastors over the last several months lead me to believe we can get through this hour and be the better for it. There is an appetite for association, a very real call for cooperation, and a renewed belief in the Baptist view of the world. And that is where this commission has such a unique role to play. An agency that assists our churches and acts as an ambassador to the state. An entity that serves our pastors while engaging the culture. A team that operates and speaks with both conviction and kindness. There's a theme there, one that is communicated by the very name of this organization, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Well, this entity is over 100 years ago. That, that name is actually rather new. Given to us in 1997 and very purposely selected, I would submit every word is just as important now as it was then. Think about it. Ethics, applying the moral demands of the gospel to the cultural questions and challenges of the day. Religious liberty, believing that a free church in a free state is the ideal and that this principle is helpful for spreading the gospel because no one can be coerced into the kingdom of God. Without a doubt, these twin priorities are robust and challenging. Yet, as I consider how this entity may best fulfill our mission, I am increasingly convinced that the most important word in our name is actually and. And is the bridge. And connects. It shows that these two concepts are inextricably linked in our minds. We don't sacrifice one for the other. They both are of equal value. And I believe this framing is essential to the very work carried out by our team. It means we operate at the intersection of both faith and culture. It means we tell the state you have a God-ordained responsibility to protect the most vulnerable from the abortionist's knife or the drug maker's chemicals. It means we remind the church, you have always been a refuge for the abused and the marginalized. It means we are to be that equally for those preyed upon by the sexual revolution in our culture and those preyed upon within our walls. In fact, we should rush to link arms with the foremost experts in this field to rid us of the plague of abuse in our midst, to cast out those who would target the vulnerable in our pews and in our playrooms and make our churches places of safety and sanctuary for everyone.
Woe to those who would stand in the way of this God-honoring work that we are called to. It means we hold the state accountable by reminding it of its proper limits of authority. When it tramples the consciences of citizens or seeks to overturn the fundamental and biological truths of what is a man or what is a woman or very soon now, what is a human? And it means we continue to walk alongside our churches and encourage them as we pursue true racial unity. This convention has come so far, and yet our work is far from finished. But I have hope because our, I know our churches possess a Revelation 7 heart that says not until every tribe, tongue, and nation is reflected in our convention will we relent from this important mission. In all of this, I speak clearly because our churches have done so. These aren't my unique positions or proclamations for our work, but theirs. We must always take care to listen to our churches and assist them. When we are aligned like this, it ensures that this commission will continue to bring a deep, abiding, consistent, and thoroughly Baptist voice to the public square. And that is our foremost aim. Render assistance to our churches and from that service, speak to a watching world. In closing, a word to my teammates at the ERLC. Not a day goes by when I am not marveled by your skill, your intellect, and your stamina for our work. You do not get thanked often enough for the work that you do on behalf of our churches. So if you're a current member of the team at the RLC, would you stand and let this group recognize you for just a moment? So my team, you recently came to mind as I was talking with my pastor, Aaron Bryant, who you'll hear from momentarily, as we discuss the baseball movie, A League of Their Own. Of course, you'd get a baseball reference from me. Aaron said that there's a lot of nuggets of life wisdom throughout that movie, but especially one scene near the end. The star player of the team, played by Gina Davis, is thinking of leaving the team. The manager, played by Tom Hanks, says, baseball gets inside of you and lights you up. To which she responds, it got too hard. Hanks responds with an all-time classic quote, one that I think applies to us and our work. He said, 
It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. I know we have a difficult assignment. We're the only entity whose work is almost entirely done in the public eye, and everyone has an opinion about the way that we, we do our work. We deal with challenging issues, ones that continually step on cultural and political idols. We are personally tested daily. But I firmly believe we have been called to work in the hard places. A former boss of mine, Tennessee's first female Speaker of the House, Beth Harwell, she put it like this, we are called to bring together the principles of our faith to help shape good public policy. That is, by any definition, hard work. But the hard is what makes it great. Let us realize we do not do this alone. Our churches are with us. And more importantly, our Savior has gone before us to the hardest place of all, no less. So let us enter into this new chapter, hopeful, and with the one thing that we should never be without, grateful hearts. Just a reminder, you can find links to all the things we talked about today in the show notes. And if you like the podcast, please consider helping us spread the word by sharing the episode on social media or going into your favorite podcast app and leaving us a rating and review. The ERLC podcast is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission and is hosted by Lindsay Nicolay and Brent Leatherwood. Technical production provided by Owens Productions. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with more content.